0: It's exciting because I have a great passion. My sort of ministry life calling is to bring restoration, to restore, to see the Jewishness of Jesus restored to the Jewish people and also to Christianity. Because in my mind, restoration is needed in both directions.
1: Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm so excited to have in studio Ryan Lambert. Ryan, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Taylor. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with you, too. So for those who don't know, Ryan is a Messianic rabbi in Atlanta, and he's the director of outreach for First Fruits of Zion, a Messianic Jewish ministry. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show and just talking about your ministry today. It's good to be with you. It's a pleasure yeah, and a privilege. Thank you. So just to start, because some of our listeners probably haven't heard of First Fruits of Zion before, can you tell us about the ministry that you have and what your specific role is in that? Sure. So First Fruits of Zion is a Messianic Jewish
0: education, vision, and teaching ministry that is essentially um, helping, seeking to help Christians and Messianic Jews to know Jesus better by understanding him in his Jewish context. Mm-hmm. So we produce all kinds of resources, discipleship courses, books, lots of materials that some are specifically designed more for a Messianic Jewish expression. Some are designed a little bit more just for your average Christian church and pastor, all with the idea of helping people to see Jesus through Jewish eyes so that they can know him and follow him better. So that, in a nutshell, is First Fruits of Zion. Uh, we're based in Jerusalem. We have branches all over the United States and Canada as well. But thank God we have a, a worldwide reach with our ministry because there's people and Christians and Messianic Jews all over the world that uh, that want that kind of perspective, and we're grateful for that. My role with First Fruits of Zion as the director of outreach uh, essentially, I'm the relational connecting point between first fruits of Zion and all kinds of ministries all throughout the world—messianic Jewish ministries, Christian ministries, group like groups like Charisma, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm here actually in Orlando this week uh, for the um, for a conference with the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America. So I, I spend a lot of time in Messianic Jewish and Christian worlds, connecting with leaders. Uh, so that we can you know, forge
1: relationships that help us to serve these ministries. That's really cool. Thanks. So one of the things that you were bringing up before when we were talking about the ministry of First Fruits of Zion is talking about how offering the Messianic Jewish perspective helps people to get to know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of flesh that out a little bit? What are some of the new perspectives that brings to it?
0: Yeah, so uh, just to kind of give it, to, to personalize the answer a little bit, yeah. I grew up in a typical American Jewish home, in uh, in Maryland, right in between Baltimore and DC, and I had heard at some point in my journey that Jesus was Jewish, but that that was really a foreign concept. The way I conceptualized Jesus was that uh, you know he was a Christian, he celebrated Christmas and Easter, <laughs> and essentially he was the founder and leader of a religion called Christianity, which had absolutely nothing to do with me as a Jew or anything Jewish or Judaism, etc. And that was my perspective, and that's a very common Jewish perspective when you think about Jesus and anything related to Christianity. Um, for me, once I became a believer, I came to see, oh, wow, you know, Jesus, not only was Jesus Jewish, he celebrated Passover and the holidays that he celebrated were the Sabbath and Passover and Hanukkah and all these holidays. And that was sort of the, the gateway to me beginning to see Jesus through Jewish eyes and seeing him as a Jew in his Jewish context, and how that really helped me as a Jew to know him better. And then I I learned that, you know, there's lots of Christians that really see Jesus and view Jesus much the way I did as a Jewish kid, and that you don't really see him in his Jewish context. And so, of course, we all want to know and follow him better. And so seeing him As a Jew who lived in Israel, who spoke Hebrew probably, and Aramaic was maybe the language of the day, but that's very close to Hebrew, celebrated the Jewish holidays, and really lived within the Judaism of his day, that's going to help all of us, whether it's a Jewish person or a Christian, to know
1: him, understand him, and of course the goal is to follow him better. That's really cool. I just like, I, I like seeing different people's perspectives and getting all these new takes on getting to know Jesus better. Right. Um, that's one of the things that I find really cool just personally going through. So thank you for sharing your story on that. That's yeah, awesome. Sure. Um, so I know you have a, uh, a new center in Israel that the ministry is just starting there. Uh, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, a little over a year ago, uh, First Fruits of Zion started
0: uh, we established a new work in Israel. We've been we've had a presence in Israel for some time, but we opened what's called the Brahm Center for Messianic Jewish Learning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they well, why why the Brahm? What's that Brahm? What's the meaning of Brahm? Well, it, we named it after a modern Messianic Jewish pioneer who actually lived in the early 1900s. His name was Abram Polyak. Abram or Avram, like Abraham in the Bible. yeah, Uh, And he went by the nickname Brahm. So we named it the Brahm Center because he had this great big vision, which was really ahead of his time, being that he lived from 1900 until the early 1960s. He had this great vision for the growth and expansion of Messianic Judaism in the land of Israel, because he knew and understood that especially for Jewish people, if they don't understand the Messiah in Jewish terms, within Jewish space— within sort of the, the boundaries of Judaism, then most Jewish people just aren't really going to look at Jesus with seriousness. Mm-hmm. And so uh, something that we, that was Abram Polyak's vision, and that's part of the vision of the Brom Center is to present Jesus within his Jewish context so that both Christians and Israelis in Israel can learn about Jesus within Jewish space, within Judaism, and so that is what's happening at the Brom Center. We're re- located, we have an awesome location right in the heart of Jerusalem on Ben Yehuda Street, and God is already using and blessing it. Uh, we have seminars, ongoing discipleship opportunities. Uh, for the listeners, you can learn more about it at thebrahmcenter.org is the website. And um, if you're ever in Israel, for those of you listening, we'd love for you to come by and visit the Brom
1: Center and see what God's doing, because it's pretty cool stuff. Do you have any any other success stories that you can share of individuals who have been touched by the ministry of First Fruits of Zion? Sure. You know, for the last, actually for the last 20 years, uh, ever since I became a believer um, in Yeshua,
0: in Jesus, um, I've been involved in Messianic Jewish ministry. And, um, you know, we have... Um, I've been with First Fruit Design for for almost two years now, and uh, so I and I get a lot of the emails that come in or they come come across my desk at some point. You know, the success stories go in 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 two different directions. One, we we get stories from people who are. Um, maybe Jewish people who aren't believers in Yeshua, who aren't believers in Jesus, who um, are just grateful for our resources because they feel like we're putting him back into his own space. Mm. And so when we get those kinds of emails, it's really helpful. And then we get lots of people who... Um, It's it's almost like I could I could write this sort of this email that we get over and over and over again where it's like you know these 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 emails of gratitude where people sort of have these aha moments where they felt like they were missing something in their discipleship in their walk with Jesus where they just didn't like there was something more to know about Him and obviously Jesus there's so many aspects to who He is um, that's so wonderful but um, it's such a blessing when we get people all the time that tell us. You know, by reading this particular resource, by reading this book about Galatians and putting it in its Jewish context, understanding now Jesus and Paul in their Jewish context has helped me to see things that I never saw before and to love God and to appreciate the richness of his word in ways that I haven't before. Um, That is really why we do what we do. And to get those stories,
1: really a blessing. That's really cool. Just And you were talking about you get the two types of different letters on yeah. it. And so have you seen, it sounds like from definitely the first group that you talked about of people put being excited that you put Jesus back into the Jewish context, it sounds like the ministry has been making a lot of inroads among the Jewish community then? Yeah, you know, um, we have, um, you know, different, especially it's really neat what's happening at the Brahms
0: Center because the Brahm Center is, um, you know, it's in Israel. So it's, yeah, Israelis are everywhere, of course, because you're in Israel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, we have some, just some neat things going on there where people are wanting to, um, maybe they've heard presentations of Jesus. Now we're talking about Jewish Israelis, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some that are a little more religious, some that are not so religious. But there's sort of this reflex um, that, you they don't really feel like Jesus is for them because the presentations of Jesus or the things they've heard about Jesus have, have basically been done in a way that that is sort of outside of Jewish space. So they culturally mm-hmm. couldn't relate to it. Maybe even biblically they couldn't relate to it because they felt like the way he was being presented, it was like sort of like choose between becoming a Christian and, becoming, and being a faithful Jew. Mm. Well, a Jewish person that actually understands what it means biblically to be Jewish is going to know if I'm being presented with that choice, this probably isn't something from God, and this probably isn't something that's messianic, because if I have to choose between Messiah and being Jewish then something's not right here. But what we're trying to do in with these people say, you know what? That's not actually a choice that you have to make. Actually, following Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, should strengthen your commitment to a Jew, as a Jew. It should strengthen your Jewish identity, and it actually helps you to keep the Torah in ways that we could have never dreamed of or imagined. So how long have you been with the ministry? So I've been, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was actually a customer of First Fruits of Zion <laughs> before I actually came to work for the ministry. And for me personally, the, the the resources, the teaching, and I'd just even say the overall vision of First Fruits of Zion just served me so richly in the different ministries that I was involved in and just being an average disciple of Jesus. Um, and so, just over time, um, developed you know relationships with some of the leadership, and I came on about a year and a half ago as the director of outreach, and um, it's it's exciting because I have a great passion. My sort of ministry life calling is to bring restoration, to restore, to see the Jewishness of Jesus restored to the Jewish people. And also to Christianity, because in my mind, restoration is needed in both directions. Jesus needs to be restored to the Jewish people, and also the Jewishness of Jesus needs to be restored to the church. I so appreciate that that's something that Charisma has a passion for as well, and uh, that really
1: sums up the restoration that we're seeking to bring as a ministry. So for our listeners who may not be Jewish, what's maybe one of the aspects that gets most overlooked, you think, when people forget about the Jewish aspect of Jesus in church? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that, that's a great question, hard question. <laughs> you know, I think
0: that, um, let me answer that by saying, I think that most people think that Jesus and maybe even Paul... Even before I say that, let me establish our sal- – so we're not talking about salvation here. Salvation is in Christ alone. Our salvation is in him. We have atonement because of what Jesus – his life, is death, his burial, is resurrection, and our faith in that. So that's – sometimes when people come into this, they say, is this legalism? You're really emphasizing this Jewish stuff. This doesn't sound like maybe this is going in a healthy direction. I get that. And so I really try to disarm that idea by just saying that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what does it look like for us to live as disciples of Jesus, as Jews, as Gentiles here in the body of Christ. I think one of the big misconceptions, though, that's out there is that Jesus, and particularly Paul, had negative attitudes towards the Torah, towards the law of Moses. I don't think that's what they had. I don't think they had negative. Actually, I think Jesus was a completely faithful Jew. I think the data from the New Testament is that he lived as an observant Jew. And actually, and this is more controversial, but it's food for thought. I actually think Paul was a faithful Jew as well. And that the testimony that we have from the New Testament is that Paul really seeked to live as a faithful Jew. And then he didn't have a negative attitude towards the Torah at all, or even towards Judaism. But he was what he was really called to do was to say, the king and the kingdom have, this, have come. And so I think those are big misconceptions, though, because I think, unfortunately, there has been a mindset that has sort of, you know, been ingrained in some Christian teaching uh, to sort of think that Paul had a very negative attitude towards Judaism and a negative attitude towards the law. And he absolutely was saying that Judaism needs Jesus. But I think that we need to nuance that a little bit more in how we think through these issues. And I think that really helps as we represent the good news of Yeshua to the Jewish community, because the Jewish community thinks that Paul was a real bad guy because he had a very negative, almost like he was a self-hating Jew, hated Judaism, hated Torah. I think there's a better way to read Paul that helps
1: us as Christians and that also helps the Jewish community to see Paul in Jewish terms. I think that's a great clarification of a really common misconception I think some people could have in church, especially from a shallow reading of the epistles or that sort of thing. Well said. So then thinking more broadly, can you give an idea for some of our listeners who, again, may not be familiar? What is, what is the current status of the Messianic Jewish community in Israel? Mm-hmm. So that, that's a great question. And I think that um, the status of the Messianic Jewish
0: community is that it's, it's evolving and changing so fast. And I would say in a mostly positive direction um, in that uh, 15, 20 years ago, if you presented yourself um, publicly as a Messianic Jew, uh, the 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 likelihood, I'll say, of you experiencing some kind of, I'll say, soft persecution for that, mm. uh, it's rare. Uh, it happens, but it's rare that you have any kind of physical persecution, unless you're really like you know standing on a corner, you know, preaching or something like that, which some people do, and they've you know usually that doesn't go over too well in Israel. That's just the way it is. Um, but more so, what you would hear, fifteen twenty. 25 30 years ago for sure is just that when it came out that somebody was a messianic Jew you 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 just get um, you'd have challenges in your neighborhood, at work, maybe in the military as far as, um, you know, people might lose their jobs or they may, if they're renting or something like that, they may lose their space, businesses losing their spaces, etc. cetera. Um, that can still happen. I still do hear stories of that even today in 2016. Mm-hmm. But it's so much less than what it was 15, 20, 25 years ago in that the idea – of Messianic Jews, Jews who believe in Jesus, the Messiah, has become, it's it's moving from the fringes towards more the mainstream. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, you have conferences there, you have, um, you know, all kinds of things going on to where uh, the idea is becoming much more normalized. And so that's, that's a
1: very positive trend. Uh, it's exciting, and uh, we're grateful for that. I would imagine that opens up a lot more outlets than an opportunities to be able to share the gospel. Then. Yeah, I think it just allows Messianic Jews in Israel just to feel like they can just
0: integrate their faith into just their lives in a more relaxed, normal, relational way. And it's just, hey, this is who they are. They don't have to hide it and that they can just really shine the, the light of Yeshua more brightly and easily uh, because they don't have to keep a lid on it. At the fear of losing their job, losing their space, losing whatever, um, and so that's a that's a that's a really positive thing. The numbers are still small um, in Israel as far as the, you know the percentage. I, I, the last counts I heard, there are about a hundred messianic Jewish congregations in Israel, um, and and so you know that's we want to see more uh, of that. But I think it's encouraging that the idea in the culture. Is definitely becoming more accepted. There's still uh, it's still resisted. There's no question about that. And so it's it's sort of like it's okay in Israel almost to be uh, to be Christian. Okay, that's fine. It's of course it's okay in Israel to be Jewish. It's okay to be in Israel to be Muslim. But when you say you're a Messianic Jew, you've crossed a line. Okay, and because you're you're in a sense you're bringing that for the Jewish community, you're bringing that much closer. Okay, As if to say, there is an actual way to actually be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And so that's where tension rises. Mm. But again, the
1: idea becoming more mainstream. That's good. That is great. So if our listeners are hearing about this, if they're passionate about the cause or if they've been moved by discussing it today, what are some tangible ways that they can help? Sure.
0: No, I would um a couple things, just tangible ways. We have so many resources on our website at ffoz that's like First Fruits of Zion ffoz.org that could keep our listeners, you know, busy for a long time. Of course, I encourage you to uh, to pray for and to uh, look up the bramcenter.org as well. We have all kinds of resources that you can get to on our website, some that are free, some that, you know, are in our store. Um, that will really help you to um, stay informed with what God's doing uh, in the Messianic Jewish movement worldwide and in Israel in particular, and also resources that will help people to know Jesus better from that Jewish perspective. I'll even say if you want to email me directly, you're welcome to do that. If you have any questions at outreach at ffoz.org, I'd be happy to interact
1: with anybody who uh, who wants more specific information than what I offered. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate just hearing your heart on this issue and getting to know more about the Messianic Jewish community at this point. Would you mind closing us out with prayer? Sure, I'd love to.
0: Avinu Malkanu, our father, our king, uh, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, God, for the heart that um, charisma has for Israel, for the Jewish people, for restoration, for the kingdom of God. And we pray, God, that you would continue to use and bless this podcast and this ministry for those purposes. And, God, we come together today, and we just want to pray. We want to pray for uh, your kingdom to come soon. And we pray that you will bring restoration, that you will restore Yeshua, Jesus, to the Jewish people, and that you will help the body of Christ to see the importance of Israel and the Jewish roots as we move forward and upward and onward towards your kingdom, God. So we ask you to work in all those ways. We're asking you for big things, but we thank you that you're a big God, and we trust your spirit to work and move because we believe your word compels us in this direction. So we love you. Beshem Yeshua, in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Amen. Remember, listeners, to check out FFOZ.org and the Brahms Center if you're in Jerusalem. You've been listening to Ryan Lambert on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Hi,
2: everyone. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I want to speak to you on behalf of Evangelical Christian Churches. And if you've ever had a desire to be trained, equipped and credentialed as a chaplain, you may really want to listen to this message. It's probably now would be a great time to fulfill the call of God on your life. We're still early in the year. You can accomplish so much still in this year of 2016. Becoming a licensed minister will enable you to reach out at jail ministries, hospitals, nursing homes. Maybe you want to do street evangelism or teaching, traveling, going to, across the world to minister. Women's Aglow would be good, maybe even in anti-abortion facilities, counseling, traveling, whatever it is that you've got in your heart, there's no better place to be trained and equipped than Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. Let me say that again, the Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. They're going to offer you the opportunity to be trained and credentialed as a chaplain. It's always good to have official credentials. They have correspondence classes and extremely affordable tuition. They're licensed throughout the state of Michigan and fully accredited. You can call them now. They actually prefer you to call them. Their number is 586-773-6568. And one more time, 586-773-6568. The good thing about a podcast is you can back this up and listen to the phone number again. Their website is evangelchristianchurches.com. Check them out there. Or just call that number one more time, 586-773-6568 for the chaplaincy training program. Get credentialed today. God bless you. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network.